topic tonight is God's love is greater than us. It's greater than you. And I know it seems obvious that when we start going through this, there's going to be a little bit of unfolding, uh, which should hopefully should be helpful. And when we talk about the love of God, we rightly feel safe and secure in God's love. We, we rightly feel safe and secure. There's a comfort about it. There's a mercifulness about it. There's a forgiveness about God's love. And this is well beyond natural capacity or talent. This is just a freely bestowed blessing of God upon us. And it's been his desire all along that we'd position ourselves so we could get the advantage of this. And the trouble that we have with all these things is that we endeavour to sort of live up to a standard that God's given us. But sometimes we're too busy trying to meet the standard with our physical strength and we can't do it because the standard that God has set is relying on the Spirit in us being able to have the freedom to go out and do some of this work rather than us toiling and physically committing ourselves, whether it be verbal or, or any other type of uh, uh, work or service to the Lord, uh, it's not about how good we are at anything. It's actually God's ability to do things. But if we open the door and let him move, then he does things. That's simply uh, how it works. But one of the things that God talks about, and I think it's easy to come to a fellowship meeting and sort of rest in the love of God, God's love is greater than just you being happy. God's given you something. He wants you to go out there and give the opportunity for others who do not stand where you stand nor have the comfort that you have, nor have the confidence that you have, and he wants that shared around. Now, we use terms like evangelizing, witnessing, sharing our testimony, but it's about taking opportunity to share with others what God's done for you. And because we're all different, every one of us will have an approach. And a simple invitation to someone, a simple uh, statement here or there, uh, and people can respond very quickly and you are in a prime position to do the Lord's will because he's chosen you to do something. And you have a method about you, you've got a personality, you've got a way of expressing yourself that only certain people can sort of relate to. And God will line you up with the right people. That, that's how he works. He lines the right people up with the right people and we move forward. And if we miss this second part of God's love, which is actually to be a participant rather than to be a rejoicer of it, but actually be a participant in sharing this love, then we're actually missing the greatest part of our overcoming, the greatest part of the blessings which God offers us. And that, that would be sad to discover how much of the good things that the Lord's lined up for us, where we, we do struggle and toil a little bit on this earth, and maybe we're not struggling because we're hungry, and we're not struggling with a lot of things, but we have a lot of issues in front of us and they take our time. Uh, a lot of us here have got family members you care for, and not all of our family members are the cleverest people on the earth, and they, they say the same about us, by the way. So it's okay. So we're worried about our children, we're worried about our parents, we've got all these things, and the Lord said, well, I can work with all of these, and I can give you a solution. But you've got to be aware that God's love is not just in you for you to be happy and saved and pleased. It's about you being able to transfer the knowledge of that God to the benefit of others and to exercise that in your lifestyle, particularly the things you do. In Galatians 5.16, I'll just read a little verse there. 
And the point I wanted to make here, that God wants us to use the power he's given us because overcomers need to keep moving forward. You can't overcome by staying where you are. This world is flowing. If you stay where you are, you're already down the river. You're already further back than where you were. And because time is flowing, if we stand still in the strength of the Spirit in the sense that we don't progress, we've actually gone backwards. So if we're going to overcome, we need to move forwards. We're going to be moving forward all the time. But it's not moving forward in the sense of having this Herculean effort, sweating from the brow of toil and being sort of distressed with the load of serving the Lord. It's not like that. But it certainly is about growing in the Spirit, growing in your wisdom, seeking further opportunities. And as you get stronger spiritually, as you become more learned with spiritual matters, it's about being able to translate that and transfer that to other people to their benefit. And that can be people in the church, it can be the unsaved, but uh, even within yourself, to check in your own heart the knowledge you have, to check your wisdom and then measure yourself to say, am I moving forward? Am I resting on this? And again, it's not about being paranoidly uh, focused on having to toil away to earn your salvation because you can't earn it. But there, we've got a duty, which is not about earning salvation. Our duty is to share salvation, to share the message, to share the gospel, to go out. And uh, we, as a, I guess an act of thankfulness, we put ourselves out there on God's behalf and we make ourselves available. And with the old statement made uh, by the prophet, young prophet, here I am, Lord, use me. And it's the most wonderful statement you can read in the Bible, here I am, Lord, use me. And I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I'd like to be used more. I want to be used more. And if there's something I can do, maybe I haven't gotten on to the fact that I have a few more skills now than I had a year ago, then allow me to use them in a meaningful way to the benefit of what you want done for the fellowship and for this world. And the Lord will use you. Now in Galatians 5, 16, he says, this I say then, this is an encouragement about walking and developing. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh Lusts or wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two forces are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. So if we have too much of our interest in the things of this world, and I'm not talking about sin, I'm talking about worldliness, meaning the matters of this life. If too much of our time is involved in the matters of this life, then it will come and it will work against us. And we'll have this battle between the spiritual obligations and the natural duties. And this is one of the difficulties which is, um, I guess, heaping so much trouble upon the Christians of this world is that many of them are torn between what this world requires of them and what God requires of them. And it makes it even harder if you don't know what the Spirit of God is and how it can work in you. And so many people today are ignorant of the working of the gifts of the Spirit. So many people today uh, are ignorant uh, of the power to receive the Spirit and speak in tongues with the God-given sign. They're ignorant of the blessing that comes with it. They've got a lot of their sums are misconstrued. So they're busy struggling for one thing or another. And many of these people, ultimately, you'll see they're out there running a soup kitchen trying to feed the street people, which is not 
a negative thing in its own right. But God didn't give them the spirit to run a soup kitchen. He gave them the spirit to bring spiritual food to people, not to bring them soup. Now, if you want to do the soup thing, that's fine. We're not against that. And God's certainly not against the generosity of feeding the hungry or clothing or whatever, but our primary calling is not to bring physical comfort to people. We are being called to bring spiritual comfort to people above all other things, but not excluding the other things, if that makes sense. So if we start looking at these things in the flesh, many people actually confuse the flesh with sin. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is simply saying, don't be so involved in the things of this life, and a lot of them are quite blessed by God. Family, work, assets, a house, yard work, all those things. The Lord's happy to give you the fruit of this world, but he's not happy for the fruit of this world to take you away from the uh, fruit of the Spirit and the working of the Spirit. And this is where scriptures like this are written to have us get a value system and to re-evaluate, and particularly in the world that we're in, which is so materialistic. Even the poor in this country are so well off compared to any other time in history. And look, if we just go back a little bit, I'll give you a broad understanding. Let's say you're driving a 10-year-old car around at the moment. So that'd be nothing special. Okay. Let's say you're driving a 10-year-old car around. You've probably got air conditioning. You've probably got power windows. You've got a radio that works. You've got headlights that work. What do you think King David or King Solomon would have thought compared to their chariot? The horse. You know, when your car backfires, you're all safe. But when the horse backfires, hoo-hoo, you've got to watch out. So if you start thinking about what they had at the top of the... Oh, my chariot's made of gold. And I've got the fastest horse in the realm. And I've got the most experienced men to groom these horses. And I've got the best food for them, the best hay, the best fodder the best drinking water for them, we think, who cares? I go out there and turn the key and the thing runs and I can drive for 500 kilometres without stopping. How far is your horse going to get? The difference in quality of the life we have compared to the wealthiest people in history and the things that they enjoyed, their castles, their palaces, their kingdoms, they didn't have central heating. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have wide panel, flat screen, OLED TVs. They, <laughs> neither does most people here, it would seem. But uh, all that aside, can you see by comparing the poor of today in a physical sense are far better off than the wealthy of the past? Maybe not compared to the wealthy of today, but certainly the clothing you've got. Factories churn uh, uh, metres and metres and metres of fabric out, good quality, safe fabric every second. Then it's cut professionally into clothing, good stitching, good buttons, good everything. Uh, and it's just everything you can think of, food, clothing. We've got storage by way of refrigeration. We've got storage by the way of heap sealing and uh, uh, also vacuum sealing. We can have any of the foods growing anywhere in the world on our table tomorrow. You know, I, I read a report, and I'm not quite sure which one of the Bible kings it was, where the servants rushed off into the mountains and gathered some snow for the delight of the king. And they came back, and the bulk of it melted, but they handed the king some ice to curl his thirst. And uh, 
Uh, that, that's a powerful. It might not even have been a Bible team. It could have been Hannibal or one of the others. I don't know. I, re- I remember reading the story and I just saw it, the pleasure that a little ice cube must have brought this leader in a hot and arid place. And you and I, we go into McDonald's, put our cup under the, the drink machine and we can just endlessly fill this thing up time and time again. Uh, that's the difference. So in our lifestyle today, we are captured by the pleasures and the supply of natural things. And never more in history than perhaps this time we live in now is the relevancy of these words meaningfully applied in our case. So the Lord says, sort out your priorities. You don't have to forsake life. You don't have to forsake those things. Get a priority structure because I've got a job to do. No matter what pleasure you have in this life, there's still people who are dying in their sin. No matter what pleasure you've got, there's still people filled with the Spirit who are stumbling and need help to be picked up. But if you're working a 12-hour shift at work and you've got this happening and that happening and the other thing happening, how are you going to do it all? You can't. You can't. And this is part of what the Lord was talking to us about. He goes on and says in verse 18, But if if you be led by the Spirit, referring to the freedom now, you're not under the law. You're not under any form of bondage. You're not trying to earn your salvation. You're not trying to earn brownie points. Simply you have a freedom about you. Don't get trapped into thinking that you need to do all of the Lord's work somehow to be righteous. It's not about that either. It's simply there's a need out there. God has filled you with the Spirit and you have a duty and the love of God should motivate you to perform in that duty. Simple as that. And you might say, but I can't do this, I can't. God's saying, I don't care what you can and can't do. That's not my issue. My issue is that you do what you can do, then try and extend that ability out and develop upon it. And that's part of our growth in the Lord is slowly and progressively extending our abilities and talents into fields which we haven't tried before and the Lord will reward that. (coughs) Revelation 3 verse 16, just another little verse about some of the difficulties that God saw coming. And this is talking about particularly a downward spiral. And it always happens when we lose sight of what the love of God is. And too many people assume that the love of God is about having a feeling, warm, fussy feeling, I think is a vernacular term. But it's, it's, it's not even about that. Uh, I, I believe most people in our fellowship would understand far greater than a, a warm, fussy feeling. But the love of God is simply more than going through emotions as well. It's not about turning up on a meeting. It's not about being seen in your own heart to feel good because, oh, I made it to the meeting tonight, so therefore it's, it's good to make it to the meeting. But it's not about that either. It's about your input into other people. If you're a paramedic, you don't hear paramedics bragging to each other, oh, I got in the ambulance tonight, <laughs> They don't brag about getting in the ambulance. They don't brag about driving around the streets with the sirens and lights. Maybe they do, but they shouldn't. Their testimony is who they've saved. Their testimony is how they've recovered people who were dying, people who were perhaps passing from this world into death and they've been able to retrieve them. Their testimony is some of them they couldn't retrieve, but they made the effort anyway. That's what they talk about. And I believe spiritually we have a similar concept, but... There's a trap in this. It says here in Revelation 3, 16, 
So then, because thou art lukewarm, and this is a reference, he, he's speaking about spiritual people who don't really grasp what loves God, God's love is. And he talks about the hot and the cold. Then he talks about the ones in the in-between. And I, I believe where the scriptures, there's a reference in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, about a great falling away. And there's a couple other points there. And look, we're not using this as a leverage of uh, intimidation or threat. The Bible identifies in the age of great outpouring of the Spirit, there's going to be great failure. And you can't fail unless you're part of the Holy Spirit. So obviously he's talking about people. Then this little segment here talks about the lukewarm, the ones in the middle. He said, because you're lukewarm, because you're neither hot nor cold, he said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. That, that, that's a very powerful statement because what he's saying, I guess, to these people is, I have given you all my love. I considered your life worth the death of my son. I considered your life was so important that I allowed my son to die for you and you have nothing in you to give any respect or return for what I have for you. So you treat me poorly, you treat my creation poorly, you treat my son poorly, you treat my fellowship poorly. And he said, well, I guess it's not good enough. For, for a good reason. And it's just a sort of, I, I know there's so many ways we could express lukewarmness, but in the context of talking about the love of God, very obviously when you're lukewarm, it means God's love is not being reciprocated by you to someone else. Otherwise, it wouldn't be lukewarm, you would be hot. But the people who are cold in the Lord, they know who they are. They make no pretense about getting to meeting. People who are cold, they know they're cold. They don't do fellowship. They don't read their Bible. They don't pray. They don't make it. They know they should. And perhaps in the back of their mind, for a lot of these people, one day, when the time is right, I'll make it work for myself. But up until then, I'll just coast along. And others will be thinking, when I see the return of the Lord, I'll jump into it and come back and whatever. Um, and again, the people who are cold, they know they're cold. And the Lord can't do a lot about that. But the ones who think they're lukewarm, the ones who think they're hot but they're only lukewarm, they're the ones that the Lord wants to read this because he said this to their benefit and they happen to be a very large part of the Spirit-filled church and he said to these people you need to change that's why he said I'd rather have you cold or hot don't say lukewarm, you've got to be heating yourself up spiritually so to move into a position where this happens you need to be motivated by fellowship to be about the Lord's business. And the Lord's business isn't being healed in your body because you're sick. That is a blessing, certainly, but that's not the business of the Lord. The calling of the Lord for you is just to be healed. It's not about you developing a personal bank account with huge amounts of money. It's not about you developing skills and talents, all these things. It's actually about doing what Jesus did, going in the world and applying the promises and power of the Lord towards those with need. But see, the lukewarm, they don't do the spiritual part of this. Whether it's good works or good flesh or whatever, uh, they're happy, I guess, to virtue signal. So oh, look at me, I get to the meetings every Sunday, and yes, I do this and I do that. And they'll just go, well, that, that's great. What have you done for the people? No, 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 it's not about them, it's about me, because... This is sort of the world we live in, where it's all about us, because many people can't make the sacrifice. 
Many people can't move away from them to think about others. But the Lord doesn't want you to be destitute unless, of course, you are totally incapable of redirecting yourself, then destitution is the best thing for you because you can start again and get it right. But outside of that, God's work with you is that if you move into this lukewarmness, it can be undetectable. Because, see, to be lukewarm, you're either coming down off hot or barely moved off cold, but you're not completed either way. You're sort of in this neutral land, no man's land. Lord said, it's not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for my church. It's not good for the, the, uh, the calling at hand. So he said, I don't want you there. In fact, I'm so frustrated about people who go through the pretense of being a Christian. I'm just going to spew you out of my mouth. I've had enough. It's just not part of the joy of the Spirit to be in that position. So these words were sobering, not so much to condemn us, but to have a self-check and say, all right then, if God doesn't like this, am I in peril of being this way? And of course, people are hot for the Lord. It's normal to have healthy doubt. It's normal to go to the scripture and check up that you are walking in the spirit because self-assessment is part of all focuses of all successful people. They always self-check. Jesus Christ self-checked. He said, Lord, I would this cup pass from me. However, self-check, if it be your will, I will do it. Same difference, self-check. And I could give other examples, but they're only there. That's what they are, the examples. So for someone who's hot in the Lord, they know their weaknesses, they know their failings, but they also know that they can walk in the Lord. They also know they can serve people. They also know that they can share the gospel. They can visit the sick. They can do these things. They can pray for people. And they know they can do all this. And this is where the Lord wants you guys. He wants you to be putting some heat into your walk in the Lord. But he doesn't want fanatics because fanatics burn out. And fanatics burn everyone else out along the way. And fanatics destroy lives and destroy families and destroy children. God would rather have people who are just spiritually moving along and developing the same as a child is born bit by bit, cell by cell. They develop and eventually after 20, 21 years officially they become adults. And God wants us, I guess, in a similar way to just develop, develop, develop and uh, overcome the things there. Why? Because the love that he's put in us is greater than just being aware that he loves us. It's about us being aware that we now go out and share that love. And this is the part where it all falls over because the lukewarm rarely share the love of God. They absorb it, but they don't share it. And that's, they might talk about it, but they actually don't live it. And this is where the Lord wants us to move into that other phase and to keep in that phase. And quite often, I found in my life, from time to time, you get barriers. And I think nearly all of the people have got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in the Lord have all had their little moments from time to time where you hit a barrier, hit the wall. And sometimes you think, oh, I can't be bothered or oh, what else is going to go wrong? But if you just go to the Lord and say, all right, Lord, I'm at an impasse now. I just need you to step in and help me. And whatever you give me, I'll do it. I will just move past it. And we move past it because that's what the Lord does. And he said, look, I'll never leave you. I, I won't abandon you. You're not going to be left to hang on your own. I'm with you. And this has been a very uh, strong turning truth to me. And I'm sure it has for others that sometimes when something has got the better of you, the best thing to do is say, all right, Lord, I want to take another step in faith now. 
what more can I do to serve you? It's not about serving me. I can serve me for this and that and the other. What can I do to serve you more now? What step can I take which is beneficial to you? And guess what? This is where sometimes these blessings come is by taking this other step and uh, putting yourself out there just a little bit. And God's not talking about jumping out of a plane without a parachute or things like that. He's simply talking about saying, all right then, my wisdom tells me that if I've hit the wall, um, unless I change something, I'm going to be against that wall for a long time. What can I change? I can't earn his salvation. I can't earn his forgiveness. I can't talk my way into anything. So maybe I can contribute a little bit more spiritually. What can I contribute spiritually that I haven't done? What step can I take which is just slightly outside of my comfort zone, which the Lord would be pleased with, which he can then step in and bless, and all of a sudden just feed bumpers behind you, not in front of you? That's how the Lord works. And this is the type of encouragement we get in many forms. And uh, just to close on Romans 12.1, just about continually putting this heat in, it says here, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, this is the power behind it, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. This is what's considered normal for a spirit-filled person, that you be not conformed to this world, but you be heated up or transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what better way can you renew your mind than saying, Lord, if there's something I can do that I'm not aware of, if there's a step I can take, maybe it's not part of my thinking, maybe it is, maybe I'm lacking the boldness to do it, help me now because I'm ready to take that step. What's the Lord going to do? He's going to back you 100% because that's what he does. And we're not talking about ridiculous things. We're just talking about the progression of spiritual power, spiritual development, and removing the limitations of our carnal thinking and natural thoughts without being ridiculous about it and being in a way which is sustainably, continually able to be lived. It's no good going out there doing something once and never being able to do it again. That, that's uh, no benefit to anyone. But if we can continually just keep developing, as he said back in uh, Isaiah 28, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little, this is the progression now, that progression was either forward to victory or to fall, to be taken in the snare, to be shattered, to be broken. Either way, walking with the Lord or failing in the Spirit, either way, it's line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's just a continuation in one way or another. That's why the Lord said, don't be lukewarm, don't be continually, yes, no, yes, no. He said, don't be like that. He said, I know you're going to have doubts. I know you're going to have fears. And I know you're going to have good days and bad days. We're not talking about it. We're talking about progressively, spiritually, being stronger and more able and capable as you learn the skill of walking in the Lord. And Paul spoke a little bit about the talent he'd developed and many of the others spoke about what the Lord had done and what he'd opened doors and I thank God. Uh, and there's, But, you know, the most amazing awarenesses were, I thank God for those who you gave me. I pray, Lord, that Satan will never take them from my grasp. I pray, Lord, at, at Paul, when he prayed about the church at Corinth and some of the other churches, was always giving thanks that the work he began in his walk in the Lord would not be taken from him and it wouldn't be sacrificed. He said, look, I know after my departing, grievous wolves 
are going to come in and wreak havoc in the flock. He said, I want the, the church protected. So part of this prayer and this development of a personal level was about the acute awareness of protecting the others who are part of our fellowship. Those of you who are mothers or fathers who have had to stand up and fend your children and protect them, you know what we're saying because this is what God says. It's about protecting God's children. God's love is greater than just you. It's about you using God's love to go out there and to bring about blessing and hope where perhaps there is none rather than simply rejoicing because you've got a good paying job or you've got a happy marriage or whatever, whatever, whatever. They're all wonderful things, but there is more. God's love is far greater than you. Amen.